Every time God gives you a purpose, and you have a purpose, with God's purpose always comes pain. If you have a purpose, you need to be prepared for the pain. There's no such thing as purpose without pain. And there's no such thing as pain without purpose. That's how we get through hard times. You're not getting off the planet without getting devastated. You're going to get hurt. You're going to get wounded. You're going to experience betrayal. You're going to experience heartbreak. You're going to experience adversity, difficulty. You're going to experience a lot of things that have the potential to warp you, to distort your vision, to cause that dream to die. But you have to realize something. There's a purpose behind the pain. God's purpose always includes pain. Now, let me make this disclaimer. God does not cause our pain, but He does allow it. God does not cause our pain, but God does allow it. One man said it like this, Before God can use you greatly, He will wound you deeply. Before God will use you greatly, He will wound you deeply. And this is what Joseph experienced over and over and over again in his life as he's making his journey toward the fulfillment of this dream. Now, if you read the story of Joseph's life, you'll find out that over and over and over again, the Bible says, Joseph cried. It says, and Joseph cried, and Joseph cried, and Joseph cried. Now, why did Joseph cry? Because he experienced pain. You're going to experience pain as you walk through the process, as you walk through the journey to see this dream fulfilled. The Bible says when Joseph's brothers threw him into the pit, guess what he did? He cried. When Joseph's brothers came to visit him or came to Egypt to gather food because of the famine, the Bible says that Joseph searched for a place where he could cry. When Joseph's father Jacob returned to Egypt and they were the relationship was restored, the Bible says that he that he threw himself around his father's neck and there he cried deeply. So we see that there's a process, there's tears that are that are flowing, but tears are a language that God understands. I love what uh, Rick Clendenin always says. He says, you know what, if your eyes leak, your head won't swell. If your eyes leak, your head won't swell. So tears are a very important part of a Christian's life. But how you handle those tears will determine the outcome of a Christian's life. So I want to give you uh, three examples of tears in Joseph's life that I believe relate to each of us as individuals, but I also believe that it relates to the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the, the Beatitudes, blessed are those that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now here's the first one if you've got your outline. First thing I, wanna, uh, I see in this story is Joseph's tears of pain. Joseph's tears of pain. Genesis 42, 21 says, Then they said one to another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. For we saw the anguish of, our, of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. Now, you know, it's one thing for a stranger to do something bad to you. It's, a, it's, it's one thing for uh, 
you know, your enemy to do something bad to you. But it's a totally different thing when your brothers do something bad to you. It was Joseph's brothers that threw him in the pit. It was Joseph's brothers that sold him into slavery. It was Joseph's brothers that caused this tremendous pain. And not only did they throw him in the pit, not only did they sell him into slavery, the Bible says their hearts were so hard that the tears that Joseph cried from the pit did not even affect them. They had no compassion for him. They had no regret for what they did to him. They did it intentionally. They did it maliciously. They did it for the reason of, of betraying him because of jealousy. And when Joseph cried in the pit, they could care less of the pain that he was in. So it wasn't a, a, a stranger that did this. It wasn't the enemy that did this. It was his brothers. Now here's what I've learned. The people that can hurt us the most or the greatest are those that we have the highest expectations of. Let me say that again. The people that can hurt us the greatest or the most are those that we have the highest expectations of. You know, out of all of the bad things that could have happened in Joseph's life, I promise you, never for a moment would he have ever thought his own family would have done this to him. But they did. His brothers did this to him. And so what we see when Joseph is in the pit is that Joseph is crying tears of pain. Now, if we're not careful, our tears of pain can turn into tears of bitterness and resentment. And what happens is this. You know, when we cry tears of pain, tears of pain do not bring healing. Tears of pain do not bring healing. Tears of pain, the only thing that tears of pain do is they release the emotional tension that has been built up as a result of what we have just went through. So Joseph, he is in pain. His sorrows are great. His pain is deep. He's not just dealing with, with the, uh, the, the physical reality of being in a pit. He's not just, you know, afraid uh, of being uh, left in this pit fearing for his life. He's dealing with the emotional trauma of the betrayal of his own brothers. Now, that's a big deal. That has the potential to, to destroy you and to bring bitterness. Because here's the truth. If your brothers threw you into a pit, how would you feel about them? You know what Jesus said? If a brother sins or offends you, what you're supposed to do? Forgive them. You see, forgiveness is a pretty good idea until you're the one that has to do it. You know, we don't like to forgive when we're the people that experience the pain, it's easy to give advice. But you know what? It's better to receive good advice than to give it. It's one thing to, to, to have a stranger to hurt you. And the truth is we can shake most of that stuff off. But when a brother does it, somebody that we look up to, somebody that's close to us, somebody that we would never in a million years ever think would hurt us like that, and to, to know that, that what they did to Joseph was thought out, 
What they did to Joseph was, was intentional. It was heartless. It was cruel. And it, they were not even moved at all when they heard their brothers cry. But the problem now is this. Now his brothers in, in Genesis 42 have turned, returned to Egypt because there's a famine in the land and Joseph has revealed himself to them or, or he has uh, 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 appeared to them. They don't know that he's Joseph, his, their brothers at this point, but he's dealt with them harshly. And now all of a sudden, even though they did not have any concern or compassion then, all of a sudden their conscience begins to work on them. And what do they say? What do they say to themselves? They say, this has come upon us because we ignored the cries of our brother when we threw him in the pit. He says, we, 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 we remember, we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, but we wouldn't listen. What's happening now, their conscience is coming alive. I can promise you, if you are dealing with pain, if there is bitterness in your life, a day will come when you will look back over the years and you would say, I have wasted so much time being bitter angry, resentful, hateful, mean, harsh, whatever you want to say. I've spent the majority of my life lonely, isolated, angry. None of my relationships worked out the way they should. And so you will sit back and you will look at your life and you will have tremendous regret. That's what they're dealing with now. But the problem is their regret is not out of compassion. It's out of concern for themselves. They would have never worried about Joseph had they not been caught in the plot of what they did to him. Joseph is now looking at the very people who threw him into a pit, sold him into slavery, and they were the ones that were the catalyst for the next 10 years of his life where he would experience pain after pain after pain after pain after pain. And in his mind, they are the reason why he is where he's at, at this point. So Joseph, he cries out tears of pain. Here's something else. Bitterness causes us to become insensitive to the pain of others. Bitterness causes us to become insensitive to the pain of others. It causes us to build walls that will separate us from other people because that is a form of, of how we protect ourselves from ever being hurt by anyone else again. Now, pain has a way of causing you to become defensive. And, and sometimes people become defensive and they lash out. Sometimes people become defensive and, and they become silent. Sometimes people become defensive and they just won't let anybody ever get close to them. I know a lot of pastors that have been hurt in church by people that, you know what, they're, they're just robots. I mean, they're good people. They're safe people. They're on their way to heaven, but they will not allow themselves to feel. They will not allow other people in their life. And so what happens is this. What happens is the walls that we build to keep people out become prisons of isolation for our lonely, miserable hearts. Because I promise you this much, bitter people are lonely people. You know why? Because nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to be around a mean, harsh, 
bitter person. Not even me, and I'm a pastor. But the problem with bitterness is it just doesn't affect you. The Bible says the root of bitterness defiles many. Anybody that gets close to you is going to be hurt by your bitterness. So you better get rid of your bitterness right now, otherwise you're going to end up destroying every close relationship, if you have any, in your life up to this point. So let me ask you a question. Has the pain that you've been through made you bitter or made you better? There's a purpose behind this pain. Joseph was going through this process where he was a victim of something that was done to him by his brothers, and I can promise you his pain was so deeply felt, it would have been very easy for him to become bitter and be justified in his bitterness. How many of you could go through what Joseph went through and not be bitter at your brothers? So let me ask you again. Has your bitterness made you, bit, uh, has your bitterness made you, or your pain made you bitter, or has it made you better? So we see here's Joseph, tears of pain. Here's the second tears that I see in the story. The second is Joseph's tears of healing, Genesis 45, 1 and 2. Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him, and he cried out, make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. Now notice what he did. And he wept aloud, and the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard it. Now, go to this next slide. If it's going to work. It may work, it may not. Now listen to this. Tears of pain will only turn into tears of healing when you extend forgiveness. Tears of pain, the only answer that will bring healing in your life to your tears of pain is to extend forgiveness to the very people who hurt you. That, that's, that can never be overstated. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrows. He was acquainted with grief. You have to forgive them and you have to give God your sorrow and your pain. And when you give him all of the sorrow and all of the pain, he will turn your pain into praise and he'll turn your, your wounds into worship. That's what God does. He's a healer. Listen, Jesus is somebody that can identify with your pain. Because he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. He, he was a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. He can identify with your pain on a personal level. But here's something that I find out that all of us go through when we go through seasons where we're hurting. Joseph's pain caused him to search for spiritual answers. Because when you're hurting, and listen, I've been there myself. I've been there with some of you with some folks that have went through pain on a level before that caused me to go, I have no idea what to say. I, I don't know what to do. I can't say why this happened. I can't fix this. I can't change this. The damage is irreversible. They, they'll never be able to get over this. They're only going to be able to get through this and the only thing that's going to get them through this is the grace of God itself. 
That's the kind of pain I'm talking about. I mean, it's some serious mega pain. So Joseph, what happens is when his brother throws him to the pit, that starts a series of events that God would use to ultimately prepare him for the fulfillment of this dream. But things go from bad to worse in Joseph's life. He's thrown into a pit. He's sold into slavery. From there, he becomes uh, uh, in charge of Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife uh, found Joseph attractive. She tried to throw herself on him. She, she wanted to uh, have a, a sexual relationship with him. Joseph turns her down because he lives in purity. He's a young man of God. He's doing what you're supposed to do. The Bible says flee youthful lust. This is not his wife. This is not his girlfriend. And he doesn't care what she has to offer him. He's not going to commit sin in the eyes of God. So he, he runs away And because of Potiphar's wife, she falsely accuses him of raping her when he didn't do that at all. So now he goes from Potiphar's house to be thrown into the prison that while he's in prison, he interprets two dreams and nobody makes mention of any of those things even though they personally benefited. Well, one of them did anyways. And he's forgotten about. Now, this is the process. Now, how many of you would accept this dream and this calling for your life if God said, now, look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use you to bring salvation and deliverance and do something incredible uh, in your life that's going to impact the entire world. But this is what you're going to have to go through to get ready for it. How How many would say, sign me up? Well, see, listen, he never tells you those details. Thank God. Well, he, he told Paul this. You know, when, when Paul was saved, you know, he, he said, you know, bring Paul. He said, I've chosen him to be a vessel to go preach the gospel to kings and, and, and to princes and, and to all these noble people, and I'm going to use him for my glory. And then he says, and then I must show him all the things you'll have to suffer. How many wants to sign up for that one? I mean, I'll take that first part. But again, it just lines up with what I said. Listen, with God's purpose always includes pain. I'm going to show him all the things that he has to suffer. So we shouldn't be shocked, but when you go through something as devastating as Joseph did, while you're in prison, while you're in Egypt, while you're in the pit, while you're being falsely accused, lied on, lied to, and you're experiencing all these things, it will cause you to ask yourself, where in the world is God at in my life? Where is God at at this point? I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I'm doing everything in my power to do the right thing, the right way, with the right heart, to please God. I'm here. I don't deserve to be here. I don't know why I'm here. God's not saying anything to me. He gave me a dream, and when he gave me the dream, all of a sudden, all hell broke loose in my life. What am I going to do? Where is God? Is God good or not? It's easy to say God's good when he gives you the dream. It's another thing to say God's good when you're in prison. When you're in the pit. When you're in Potiphar's house. Can you say God is good when you're in prison? Be careful before you answer that. Because he might just give you an opportunity. That's why our hearts always have to be searched out. So his pain, so his pain, 
is so great, he's wanting to know why would God allow this to happen? Does he even care? So where was God at when Joseph was in prison? The Bible said in Genesis 39, 21, and the Lord was with Joseph. Well, where was he with Joseph at? In the prison. Even in prison, the Lord was with Joseph. It, it says it again. It says, and the Lord was with Joseph. And the Lord was with Joseph. Well, where is the Lord with Joseph at? He's with Joseph in this whole process of going through his betrayal, of being thrown in the pit, of being sold into slavery, being lied on by Potiphar's wife, being thrown into prison. When all these bad things happened, the Lord never left Joseph. Now listen, there are times when God is silent, but there's never a time when God is absent. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So the Lord was with Joseph. The question was this, could Joseph recognize that the Lord was with him in this season of his life when things weren't turning out like he had hoped? I, 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 I think our natural response, and I've seen people do this, I've seen a lot of people become bitter. I've seen a lot of people become angry, become harsh, become isolated. I think that's human nature. But they, 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 they can't separate God's silence from God's absence. They think just because God is silent or just because God is not allowing things to happen the way they expected them to happen, all of a sudden they just assume that God is not as good as I thought he was. Probably nobody in this church has ever felt that way. Maybe in somebody else's church. But, but while Joseph was in prison, it was a time for reflection. You see, God was using this time, using this time Joseph was in prison to prepare him for the palace. And when Joseph was prepared, when Joseph had dealt with all of his internal issues. Now, now, this is what I feel like God is saying. Some of you, the reason you have an extended season of, 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 of something in your life, whether it's painful, whether it's a heartbreak, whether it's disappointment, I, I believe that what God is saying is because you've, you, you've extended the season that you were not originally intended to spend so much time in because you have failed to deal with your internal issues. Joseph had over 10 years, 13 years to process mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, all that he had went through. And God was saying, look, when you have thoroughly examined yourself and you've dealt with your insecurities and you've dealt with your uh, self-doubt and you've dealt with your shame and you've dealt with your guilt and you've dealt with your anger and you've dealt with your bitterness and you, you've dealt with your, your, your harshness and your rudeness and, and, and all of the imperfections in your life. When your heart is ready, it won't take me long to turn this whole thing around. Because once Joseph was prepared for the fulfillment of that dream, listen to this, in 24 hours, everything turned around in his life. 
In one day, he went from being prime, uh, uh, being a prisoner in a prison to prime minister of the most powerful nation on the face of the earth. Listen, God doesn't have any problem getting us out of prison. The problem he has is getting the prison out of us. And so God was allowing him to go through this. Joseph is dealing with things internally and, and cooperating with God. He's dealing with things in the right way. And once Joseph was ready, God turned everything around in 24 hours. Now, listen, could you, ima- could you imagine the outcome of this story had Joseph not dealt with his anger unforgiveness and bitterness toward his brothers. Because guess what? His brothers are coming to Egypt. Now, all of a sudden, the dream that Joseph had that he didn't understand, all of a sudden makes sense. Things begin to become clearer in your life when you deal with your pain and your issues appropriately. You'll understand. You'll be able to see it from a different perspective. And so his brothers are coming back. Imagine if Joseph was still angry at his brothers. What would have happened to Joseph's brothers if he was still dealing with his internal issues? What do you think would happen to him? He's the most powerful man other than Pharaoh in the nation. What would be the outcome? This This is the area in the church when we get hurt or offended by a brother or sister that we do not handle or deal with very good. When we deal with offense, disappointment, pain, whatever it may be, instead of allowing God to work out within us, Regardless of what happened to us or what they said about us or what they did to us, what we do is we get up and we divorce ourselves from the family. Which shows that your heart has got some issues there. Now, if I had, you know, if I had to agree with my wife every single time on every... Well, I do have to agree with her on every... I've never been right unless you said I was right, which I've never heard that. But uh, anyways, but within the church, we're no Joseph. We've not uh, reached a place of maturity where we can see things for what they really are. And because of that, we run away and we run away and we run away. And we run away. The problem is, if you know how you exit a season determines how you enter the next one. Everything reproduces after its own kind. If you don't exit that season the right way, you will never have the right beginning in the next season. As a matter of fact, you're going to reproduce that same stuff over and over and over again. It's just going to be a matter of time to where you're disappointed by somebody else, and you're going to say to yourself, "Yep, see, I told you this place is just like every place else." Exactly. Because people are people. And sometimes good people do some very bad things. What do you do when somebody maliciously, intently, purposefully, deliberately hurts you? What do you do? 
Forgive them. I'm not saying that's an easy thing. I'm just saying it's the right thing. And it wasn't my idea. It was God's idea. So Joseph is dealing with his brothers, and he's dealt with his heart issues. And so God has turned things around for him and his family. And they go ahead and come to music, and I'm finishing up. Listen to me. It's a mistake to wait until you see the people you have unforgiveness toward to talk to them. It's a mistake. So if you're dealing, because here's the thing, some of you are going to be around these same people during Christmas dinner. And it's not going to be good, and there's no reason why it shouldn't. And God wants you to address those issues and make them right. Again, I'm not saying that's easy. But because Joseph has received healing, he can deal with his brothers correctly, mercifully, humbly, lovingly. Now, the last thing I see here is Joseph's tears of joy. Verse 29, Genesis 46, 29. So Joseph made ready his chariots and went up to Goshen to meet his father, Israel. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. So here he is, Joseph's crying again. But these are not tears of vindication. They are tears of restoration. Joseph thought he would never see his father again. Joseph thought that, that he would there'd never be another day he would be able to spend with his dad. Had Joseph not dealt rightly with his pain, I believe that the restoration of his family would have never happened. So he throws himself around his father's neck and he weeps a good while. These are tears of humility. These are tears of brokenness. But the whole point of the story is, is this. It wasn't about the pit that his brothers threw him in. It wasn't about Potiphar's house where his wife falsely accused him. It wasn't even about the prison where he was forgotten about and left there. It was about the palace where God was preparing him to rule and reign and to see that dream come to pass it was always about that place it was always about the fulfillment of that dream God is the God of happy endings God is the God of happy endings and I don't care where you are and what season of life that you're in or what you're having to go through I promise you the story's not over God is still writing your story. He is still the one that's in control. And he can turn around in 24 hours what he did for Joseph, God will do for you if you can learn how to handle mistreatment with dignity. What can you do to a person that can handle mistreatment with dignity? Spit on them? pluck their beard out, put a crown of thorns on their head, nail them to a cross, bury them in a tomb. That kind of man resurrects himself on the third day and walks back out of the same grave he was put in. 
you can't do anything if you can handle mistreatment with dignity. So let me ask you a question. Do you pray to become like Jesus? You better mean it. You might just get an opportunity to become like him. But to become like him, you have to go through some of the things that he went through. He was a man of sorrows. What do you think that meant? Blessed are those that mourn. They should be comforted. Blessed are those who are broken. For they shall be healed. Stand with me. Hammy would say, Donald, you're talking to me today. I, I'm broken. And I need God to heal me. I need healing in my life, healing in my emotions. I went through so much over the past few years that honestly, I don't even know how I made it through it, but I just know that I'm not what I used to be. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not where God wants me to be. I'm not where I need to be in terms of my relationship with God. My pain has caused me to drift. It's caused me to get distracted. To, it caused me to, 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 to get sidetracked on something else. And, and I, I'm just in survival mode. I'm just trying to make it through. If that's you, I've got a good word for you today. And that is weeping may endure for a night. But joy will come in the morning. This season is not going to last forever. So, so, so how do you experience that? How, how do I experience healing from my brokenness? How's that done? By extending forgiveness. By giving God your bitterness. By letting go of your loneliness. By tearing down any walls that you've built between you and whoever. By acknowledging that, you know what? There's something that is strained here and I'd rather be in relationship with you than to be right. I'd rather have a good relationship with you than to have to punish you or punish you with the way that you did me. If that's you, or maybe you're here and you know what? You're lost without Jesus. Your life's broken, but it's broken beyond your ability to fix it yourself. You know what sin is? Sin actually means bent and twisted. It means when we, when we acknowledge that we are sinners and we've committed sin, what we're saying is there's something that's so bent and twisted in me that only the cross can straighten out. If you need the cross to straighten out what is bent and crooked and twisted in your life, you're blessed today because you know what? You've heard the word. You've heard what God says you need to do. But if you're here, whether it's to give your life to Jesus or you need healing 
mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically. You're just in that season where you're searching for answers because you don't know how to get out of what you're in. And you just need God to bring comfort and healing. As they sing and as they play, I invite you to come up and pray. Or if our counselors would come up, just maybe make yourself available. There's nothing to be ashamed of. Nothing to be afraid of. This is a safe place. This is a place where you can come and receive.